afternoon for all those joining online and all those that are in service with us this evening. We welcome you to our Christmas Eve service. We want to wish each and every one of you a very Merry Christmas. We're going to ask you to stand this afternoon. We're going to sing some old songs and Christmas carols. And some of them may sound a little different, but you'll know all the words to them. So let's uh, worship the Lord together.
usually the hardest thing for me is remember to turn the mic on. So somebody had it on already, so thank you. I've got a couple scriptures in the Old Testament I want to read. The first one, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son shall call his name Emmanuel. That's a promise. And in Jeremiah 33, starting with verse 14, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, while I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely, and this is the name wherewith she shall be called, the Lord our righteousness. And lastly, O Lord our God, in Psalms 8, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hath set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. That is so true this season. How excellent is his name. His promises are real. That basket is getting ready to be filled. That manger, which right now is empty, is going to have the promise of the Lord in it. So let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for the opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, the opportunity to come before you in worship. Help us, Lord, to be able to do what you would have us to do. For those that can't be here due to illness, Lord, and there are so many that are called in sick, can't be here for various reasons, I pray that you will come down and touch them. Some we know by name, Lord, and some we don't know. I just pray that you will be with each and every one of them. Be at their side right now, Lord. Stretch forth your hand and touch them. Help them, Lord. This season is not a great time to be sick. I pray that you will be with them and help them. Lift them up and strengthen them, Lord. Because you said if we rely on you, you will give us that which we need. Not necessarily that what we want, but that what we need. Pray that you will continue to abide with us and help us. Pray you will touch our pastor today, Lord, as he gives us the words you would have us to hear. And we can take it forward and use it for the growth of thy kingdom. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remain standing and let's continue to worship the Christ child that, uh, that, uh, we're, that we're celebrating today.
You may be seated this afternoon. Worship with Brother Rand as he comes to sing for us this afternoon.
morning. Let's stand one more time this evening before the message. Let's sing this song. He became sin for who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so
Father, Lord, we just love you. Glorify your name tonight. Father, as we get ready to just look at your word for just a moment, let us be able to hear from heaven. You speak to our hearts today. Father, I'm asking in the solemnness and sacredness of this moment that you would allow us to hear the words of Christ, ever so sweetly spoken to our hearts in the joy of Christmas, to burn alive inside of us once again. We will forever give you the praise and the glory and the honor. Do your name. In Christ Jesus, we pray and ask. The people of God said amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord. We'll not keep you.
you long as we are doing our best to keep you on a punctual time. We still want to do communion with you before service is over. The last few weeks, we have been on a series together as a church called The Adventful Christmas. The Adventful Christmas. And we have talked through the four thematic elements of the Advent season, that of hope, that of love, that of joy. And tomorrow we'll conclude tomorrow's morning's message with that of that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He gives a peace that surpasses all human understanding and comprehension. As I began to think about what I'd like to just talk briefly to you tonight, don't worry, it won't be a long, drawn-out affair. But as I want to talk to you tonight, I just want to give you something to hold on to because some folks may have celebrated Christmas a little bit today, exchanged some gifts, done some various things with family. Some of you may be going to family even when you leave here tonight. But tomorrow is where nationwide around the United States and other parts of the globe that people will commemorate truly Christmas Day. You know, I don't want us to forget what Christmas was all about. I love getting gifts. My, uh, my wife and I agreed that we weren't going to do gifts this year for Christmas, and she lied. I just want everybody to know she lied. I want that to go on record. Because I get to my house this morning, and I'm in my house this morning. We're doing gift exchanges with Micah. Uh, he has to go back to his mom's later this afternoon. And the whole deal was no gifts. Well, all of a sudden I see this gift with my name under the tree, and, and it looked like a really impeccable wrapping job, and Micah's not the best at wrapping. And it said that it was to me from Brianna. I said, well, I only did stocking stuff. Like, oh, well, this is... This wouldn't fit in the stocking. I said, if it doesn't fit in a stocking, it's not a stocking stuffer. It's a gift. There's a difference. Stocking stuffers are like candies and stuff, not gifts. And she had bought me a plug-in-to-your-car vacuum cleaner. Because she knows how I hate my car to be dirty. So it is literally, you plug it in a cigarette lighter, and it powers up, and it vacuums your car. And um, I love gifts. I'm more excited about that gift than any gift I've probably ever been given. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It'll suck everything up and I'll throw it away. I will love that gift till the day it dies. There's more to the Christmas than just giving. But a part of the Christmas story, that is what Christmas really is all about. God gave us a gift too. He gave us his son. He gave us a gift. In fact, he gave us the best gift of all time. He just didn't give us a gift. He just didn't go through heaven and go, you know what, let me see if I can find something that I can just... You know, give them just to say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about it. He didn't just pick some random thing. He gave us the very best thing he had to offer, and that was his own son. Pretty impressive gift. In fact, the Bible says it like this. We're going to read this together. And the Word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Then John goes two chapters over, almost a literally almost exact same scripture two chapters over for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believed in him would not perish but would have eternal life then the apostle Paul after knowing all of this and having his Damascus road experience the apostle Paul takes it even a step further in Galatians when he writes but when the fullness of time had come God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law so that he could redeem those who were under the penalty of the law, that not only could he redeem us from what we screwed up, but that we could get access to be called sons of God. And 
daughters of God. We got to receive adoption through God. And because we are now children of God, God has now sent forth His Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, giving us access. Therefore, you are no longer a slave to sin, but a son. And if a son, you now are an heir of God through Christ. Meaning you get to go to heaven and have all of the benefits that heaven has to offer you. That's pretty. That's a pretty good gift. In fact, the Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, and I read it to you, some of you in our hearing just the other week, the Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, thanks be unto God for this indescribable gift. I can't even put into words how much this gift means to me. It's indescribable. I don't know if anybody's ever gotten an indescribable gift, but I've gotten some before that I couldn't put words. Some of them were not words because they were so good. It's just I didn't know what to say when I got it. You know, when someone gives you like the gag gift and you just don't know what to say, you, you know you should say thank you, but you really are not thankful for it. You just don't want Like when somebody gives you their used false teeth, nobody's thankful for that. But what do you say if somebody hands you be like, here, brush my teeth for me? You're not thankful to have that. But what do you say? You, no, I mean, you don't want to insult them. They just gave you their chompers for tomorrow, you know. It's like the story of the man and woman that were sitting together eating dinner one night and they ordered a meal and they sat there long enough and the waiter came by and he noticed that the lady was just eating away but the husband was just not eating at all and the waiter said sir is everything all right with your meal and he said oh yeah I'm just getting I'm just waiting for the wife to get done using the teeth so I can eat mine next I mean you know sometimes you just have to share the gift it's the gift that keeps on giving I'm thankful that God gave us a gift that wasn't just some gift that was just yeah it was not it's not described as the indescribable gift because it was a bad gift it's called the indescribable gift because you can never put into words what Jesus really means to each and every one of us that know him you just can't put it into words so tonight I want to talk to you just briefly today on the message from the manger what did Jesus teach us straight from the manger right in that feed trough if you will what was the message of Christmas Father bless the reading of the word let us not only be hearers but doers thereof likewise who will forever give you the praise and the glory and the honor just do your name bless us this Christmas season in Christ's name we pray Amen the message from the manger you see the nativity scene that you see on in the parking lots and on shopping center lawns and in the front yards of people could truly be a sermon in and of itself. Each piece, whether separately or collectively, contains a wealth of meaning beyond obvious comprehension. Sometimes you look at it and you just see them and you just kind of quickly glance at it. But, but if you really stop and you think about each character or participant of Christmas, they all tell a story of Christmas in a certain way. It's the message, obviously, concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. It contains the scope, the substance of the good news and the birth of Christ. But each piece is so intricately woven together that when you put all of these vagabonds and misfits and all these people who don't add up to being together, but when you put them all together, it makes one powerful story. It makes a pretty impressive story. You say, well, preacher, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? Well, the first part of the story... You ever thought about what it would be like to stay at the Bethlehem Motel? 
Anybody ever stayed in a ro- I call them a roach motel. I don't mean any insult, but like hotels that you know they should be condemned rather than still in service. Praise the Lord. You've been there. God bless you. You know, my idea of, of, of you know, uh, roughing it is a bad hotel experience. That's roughing it. You know, they got bed bugs and you got dead bugs all around the floor, around the, the, the baseboards. You know, that's roughing it. You know, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, back in that day, the Bethlehem Inn and Motel, it wasn't the Holiday Inn Express. I mean, you know, I, I don't know what kind of hotels they had in Bethlehem back in, you know, 4 to 6, you know, A.D., but I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't have the amenities like we have today. I don't think they had indoor plumbing. Anybody thankful for indoor plumbing? Anybody like to go to an outhouse tonight? Yeah. Hello, preacher. I mean, five-gallon buckets, whatever you got to use, but, you know, but the end. You don't think much about it because it's just a quick part of the story, but you ever thought about what the innkeeper had to feel? I mean, most, of the, most hotel chains and most owners of hotels would be ecstatic if they were sold out every night. I mean, they would be thrilled if they had zero rooms available because that means they're making money. They liked money. This night comes by and this inn, he finds at his door a knock. He finds a man and his wife outside the door and the woman's getting ready to deliver a child. First and foremost, that's a scary encounter right there. You don't know when the woman's going to go into labor. Secondly, they're asking for a place to stay. They said they've checked every hotel in town, and there's nowhere to stay. And he says, I'm sorry, I don't have anywhere to stay. I often thought, why didn't he give him his room? <laughs> I mean, he had to have a room. where I doubt he was sleeping outside in the barn with him. Why didn't he offer a room? Because I've learned a long time ago, some people are always willing to tell you they're willing to help you whenever you need them, but unless it disfurnishes them, then they're not willing to help anymore. You ever had somebody ever tell you, oh, if you ever need something, just call me. Then when you need them and you call them, they always have an excuse why they never can help you after that. And you're like, well, if I, I called you when I needed you, what good is it to call you when I need you if you're never there when I need you? It's kind of like that situation with the innkeeper. Oh, I'd help you out, but um, I don't have any room in the inn. No, but I have my own room. You could have offered, but he didn't want to do that because that would just furnish him, maybe his spouse. Mary and Joseph had been, neg- uh, had been regulated to the backyard of the inn due to the large crowds there to pay their taxes. I started thinking about the inn. You see, the innkeeper opened the door and standing on the other side of the threshold of the door stood the representation of Jesus. Though he was going to be a babe incarnate, it symbolically represented the presence of Jesus. And I thought about, wonder if the innkeeper could come back today if he would have, would have liked to redone that story and would have liked to offer his room instead. Because there's a lot of people that say they want Jesus in their lives and when the door opens for them to be able to have Jesus, all they do is when they get close to him, they shut the door because they want, only, they want to get close to him, but they don't want him to come in. They want him close, just not in. There's a difference. Jesus is looking for an open door. He's not looking for a palace. He wasn't knocking on Herod's palace doors. He wasn't looking for marble flooring, crystal chandeliers. He just wanted a place that was available. But the innkeeper said, we have no availability. How many hearts and lives have opened themselves to Jesus? And when Jesus wants to come in, they basically say, there's no place for you, Jesus. You see, Jesus will come into whatever room 
that is made for him. He's just looking for a heart to dwell in. That's what Christmas is all about. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Revelation 3 and 20. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. He said, Just open the door. Invite me inside. I'll walk in. Then I started thinking about what was the society and the economy like during this moment? Yeah, there had to be people that had money. Yeah, there had to be people that stayed. Obviously, somebody had means. They all had booked hotels, so somebody could afford hotels. Somebody could afford to stay. In this story, we know that wise men and other people had sources of means. Then I started thinking about it. The shepherds were middle class. The wise men were wealthy. Mary and Joseph was peasants. They were cold. They were they were poor. And then it dawned on me, isn't that like Jesus? The message of Christmas is for a variety of people. Jesus didn't come just for rich people, though he can affect rich people like wise men. He didn't come for just middle class people like shepherds, though he did. He didn't come for poor people like Mary and Joseph only, but he did. He came for whosoever will. Whether you got a million dollars, you got 500,000, 1,000, or you have no money at all, he came for anybody that wanted him. It didn't matter. It's for everybody. Every man, every woman, boy and girl, no one is excluded unless they absolutely reject him. There is, no, there is only way you can get rid of Jesus if you reject him. He is not going to say, nope, you're not welcome. Nope, nope, I can't take it. There's still room at the cross for anyone and everyone. There is no expiration date on the love of Jesus. In fact, in Revelation 22 and 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears him come. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires of him, let him drink of the water of life freely. Jesus just said, if you want it, just come. I'll give it to anybody and everybody who wants it. All you have to do is just come. Then I started thinking, wouldn't you like to bend the animals? What a, what a cool opportunity. If there's ever been a time you wanted to be a dumb sheep or a stubborn donkey, that was the night to be him. That was it. Most pastors and most preachers don't like stubborn donkeys in church because they're hard to move and they're hard to plow with and they don't get up and they don't move very often. They just put their feet in the trenches and they just don't budge. But that night, it was good to be a donkey. It was good to be a sheep. It was good to be a cow. Most of the time, it's not good to be a cow because you're going to be heading off to be butchered. It's not good to be a sheep because you're considered dumb. It's not good to be a donkey because you're considered stubborn. I mean, you know, not a lot of positive qualities, but that night, man, you wanted to be one of those guys. Because they were there when it happened. I wasn't there. You weren't there. Innkeepers weren't there. There was nobody. That, the first people that welcomed his arrival was not a mariachi band. It was, it was not a bunch of people coming in, throwing, popping poppers and throwing confetti in the air. It wasn't 30 people walking in, bringing a snack bag or a gift basket or a, a meal to the family. No, the people that saw it happen was donkeys. And sheep and cows. No humans. In today's society, we would think those people are schizophrenic and need to be in some kind of insane asylum. There's something wrong with these people. They're having babies in barns. They're having they're they're sitting in the backyard in their field, just having children. We would think they're nuts. But that day, only Mary and Joseph and some some animals. That's it. What a welcoming committee. I said to you some of you the other Sunday, I said, 
you know, Mary's trying to sing Jesus' first lullaby. Nothing sounds better than singing Mary Had a Little Lamb than when the lamb's, you know, ooing in the back. When you're trying to sing, that takes away all the fun of that song. Could you imagine if when your mom was rocking you or your dad and they were trying to sing you to sleep, Jesus loves you, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. After a while, you would get annoyed with that. You get annoyed when somebody's talking to you in that moment. Can you imagine the noise level of them talk, the animals talking and, and Mary's trying to sing a lullaby? That's kind of annoying. That's who was there. The animals, the presence. You see, but their presence there represented that Jesus Christ was actually a creator of all things. And even in that moment, even the animals were realizing they were in the presence of their creator. They were his creation. In fact, the psalmist David said it like this in Psalm 150 and 6, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Because when you're in the presence of Jesus, nothing else matters except being in his presence. Everything else stops. Then I thought about, what about the wise men? Boy, these guys had a rough road, didn't they? These guys had seen a star in the far east and the orient region. They've traveled for a couple years to get to this location. By the time they finally get to Jesus, Jesus is not even a baby anymore. Jesus is learning how to be potty trained. Wouldn't you like to try to potty train the Son of God? What an interesting concept. He was human. I mean, I don't think Jesus wore diapers all the way until he went to the cross. I'm sure at some point he learned how to, you know, properly be potty trained. But, I mean, was Jesus just like one of those naturals that just, you know, he didn't have, Mom, I got it from here. I know what I'm doing. I've got it. I'm Son of God. I got this. Or did she have to, like, teach him? You know, to check to teach him how to do. I don't know how, you know, yes, he was God, but yes, he was humanity. And, you know, it would have been interesting just to see the day-to-day living. You know, I've often thought about, did Jesus ever just go out the back door and leave it open? I know none of you parents in here have children that just leave the door open randomly at no reason. Mine does, but apparently none of y'all's do. But you, you feel like, I'm not air conditioning for the entire subdivision. I'm not heating and cooling the outside. There is a door for a reason. It's called to shut it. When you go out the door. I'm wondering if Mary, ever there was ever a time Jesus was going out. Mom, I'm going to play with my friends. And he flings the door open and runs outside. He's playing with his friends. And she realizes the door is open. And, and, and she yells out, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Were you born in a barn? You know, I never thought she ever said that. Because reality, yes, he was. So that would have been an interesting concept to have to yell out. But these wise men have traveled for two and a half years, or about two years. Jesus is a toddler. He's in a house. They had already went to King Herod and tried to get some information. King Herod says, well, let me search the scriptures. I mean, King Herod didn't even know what was going on. I showed you how impressive he was as a king. He didn't have a clue what's happening in the area. Then he's like, oh, yes, there is. And if you happen to find him, come back and report to me. But he was doing it for his own selfish reasons, to kill the baby. They said, where is he? The wise men said, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. You see, the baby was already a king even though no one realized it. You see, the wise men replaced reason for revelation. They, they, the reason, they thought they were looking for a king in a palace. They never expected they'd find a king in some just house in town just hidden away from society. They never thought they'd find that. Because when they showed up, they showed up with gold to represent a gift for a king. They showed up with frankincense, a gift 
that was used to represent the royal priesthood or the, the, the Davidic priesthood and the Aaronic priesthood of Christ and what he represented being the priest where, where he talks about he is our great high priest. That frankincense was to represent him being the priest of our life. The myrrh, which was a burial type spice, it was a gift to, to describe the death, the humanity, the martyred prophet, the martyred son, to, to describe the humanity of Christ. They brought these gifts with an intent to represent. Then I thought about shepherds. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Peter called Jesus the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. 1 Peter 5 and 4. John chapter 10, verse 11. The good shepherd leaves the 99 to find the one lost sheep. I am the good shepherd and I will give my life for my sheep. I mean, the shepherds represented a picture we can't describe. I preached on them just not too long ago. The first animal slain in an offering was that of some kind of lamb or a ram in the Garden of Eden to give clothing for Adam and Eve for their nakedness. First human blood to be shed that could actually change the, tra the trajectory of humanity was that of Jesus Christ who described himself as the perfect lamb of God. And both times that God had to restore order, he had to use the blood of a lamb. But this time he didn't want to use wine out of the back of a field. He used his own son to be the very best that nobody else could ever produce a lamb like that lamb. I thought about Joseph. Boy, he had a hard road. Being a bonus dad. He wasn't even a biological father, a bonus father. Step parent. Raising God's son. Yes, he was respected and well thought of. But he had to step out in faith and risk it all to accept an unwed pregnancy that wasn't his child and risk lose, possibly losing everything he owned, being ostracized from his family. What about Mary? You see, Joseph represents discipleship and forsaking all things for Jesus. But Mary, she was a virgin girl. She was a handmaiden. She said the most iconic phrase that we've ever heard, her desire was to serve the Lord. In fact, Haggai 2 and 7 says, The desire of nations shall come. She desired to serve the Lord. She made the most iconic statement of all time, Be it unto me, according to your word. I don't understand it, Lord, but be it unto me, according to your word. She had a desire to make a difference. And she did. She did. Oh, but then there's Jesus. Jesus called a little child unto him one time, set them in the midst of them. And he said, And most assuredly I say to you, unless you become converted and be like a little child, you by no means will ever enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18, 2 and 3. Until you come to God like a helpless baby lying in a manger, unable to defend yourself, totally dependent upon the grace and mercy of God, you won't enter into heaven either until you completely surrender to him wholeheartedly. A little boy was in a shopping mall and he asked his mother about the baby in the manger. Miss Carol, as you make your way. He said, who is the baby? The child asked, who is he? And she said, he is the baby who grew to be a man and gave his life to save the souls from sin. Tonight I want to have a moment together reflection where tonight we think about what is Christmas really all about 
You see, there is no cross. There is no crown. There, there is no death, burial, resurrection. Unless there's a baby that was born. There's no salvation for the world. There is no communion. There is no Lord's Supper. There, whatever you want to term it. There is no commemorating that if there had not been a baby born in a barn that Christmas morning. I'm going to ask the those that are helping me with the communion if they'll come. They'll go ahead. If one will pass out the juice and if, uh, the other will pass out the bread to everyone. You can go ahead and serve the juices and the larger one and the bread and the small. And you can go ahead and serve to everyone in the building. You can start on either side. While they're serving this to you tonight, I, I want to tell you while we're celebrating. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily will be guilty of both the body and the blood of the Lord. Let every man examine himself so that if he eats of this that bread and drinks of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh it unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself for not discerning the Lord's body. For this have many have been caused to be sick among us, weak, and some do sleep, talking about death. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. That he not come together unto condemnation, and the rest I will set in order when I come. This is the Apostle Paul talking about the importance of communion. The bread of Christ that we're getting ready to partake of in just a moment. It represents the remembrance of the babe incarnate being called the bread of life. There is no bread of life if there's no Jesus. this Christmas season while we get all kinds of toys and gifts nothing is the same without Jesus and so I want you to take just about 15 to 20 seconds as Carol will keep playing before we start to partake of the elements as they finish passing them out I, I want you to just self examine for a moment yourself I want you to think about, is there anything you think you need to get right with you and God in this moment before you take this communion together? And if, if there is, I want you to ask the Lord to forgive you of it. Forgive you of your sin. Cleanse you of unrighteousness. If you're okay with God, I want you to just take the next couple seconds and I want you to, just want you to think about what this really means so much more to Christmas than we even realize. So you take the next 10, 15 seconds and you just think about what Jesus really means to you at this time.
Bible says that when he had given thanks, talking about Jesus, he broke the bread and said, take and eat, for this is the body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me, for I have received of the Lord that which I have delivered unto you, that the Jesus, Lord Jesus, that same night in which he betrayed, was betrayed, took that bread. And after the same manner, he took the cup, he supped it, and he drank the cup of the New Testament. And he said, as often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and you drink the cup, show the Lord's death until he comes but there's so much more to that you have to remember why he came so tonight will you take the bread that represents the bread of life at this time and the Bible said he took a cup juice or wine, the vine. And when we think about it in the terms of Christmas, this is what we have to remember. Jesus said, I am the wine, if you will, of the new covenant. I am the one. You don't put old wine, new wine and old wine skins because they burst. He came to change the trajectory of humanity as we knew it. So tonight as we get ready to take the juice that we have in our hands, it's not just to, not only is it to remember the shedding of Christ's blood, but it's still alive today as the covenant God has made between you and I to still be that precious, indescribable gift that keeps on giving hope, love, joy, and peace to all who know Him. Can we take this tonight together? And the Bible says that on that same night, that after Jesus had broke the bread, gave the cup of the wine, of the vine, they went out from that garden and they sang a hymn. And I'm going to ask those that are going to help me if they would come at this time. We're going to ask you to stand. We're all over the house where you are. You should have a candle. It's pre-lit. It's battery-powered. Madison, I'm going to ask you if you'll flip all the house lights down right at the back door for me. You just turn them all off except this one up front. Which actually you can turn this one off too. All, all of them will be fine. Just flip all of them, all three of them. So tonight we're going to sing a hymn together. Not like a traditional hymn. But we're going to remember why he came. So let's sing it together. Silent night. Oh.
you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance towards you. Give you the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. Guard your hearts until he comes again. And may the words, Lord, of our mouths and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. Brother Randy, if you would dismiss us in prayer. God bless you and Merry Christmas. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord, for this opportunity to listen to your word. Lord, I pray that you will instill in our hearts the reason for the